Hey guys, and welcome to Personality Bingo with me, your host, Tom Moran. So this week on the podcast, we have the wonderful Juliet Crosby. Juliet is an actor who just rapped on The Other Lamb, which is directed by an international award-winning director whose name I definitely cannot pronounce, which means it's probably very good. Uh, you'll also know Juliet from uh, Me Sarah, uh, which is an Abbey Theatre production, a uh, one-woman show that I was lucky enough to see uh, at the Peacock Theatre, as well as that you'll know her from The Chakron, uh, from Nora, from Half Light, which is an absolutely gorgeous play, uh, and other film stuff uh, like Riding Home, Daddy Issues, and um, Pit Stop, which we worked on together, where we played husband and wife, although I bet the shit out of Juliet in a very abusive relationship, so thumbs down for that. Um, guys, uh, in other news, come from domestic abuse to my play, The Belly Button Girl. Come see it. There's no domestic abuse in it at all. I think that's true, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's not. It's great. It's a lovely time. Um, no, it's very funny. Um, it's real heartfelt. Um, it's it, it's kind of got it, it, its moments of... Uh, Profoundness? Profundity? What's the word? I don't know. But um, it's it's sweet. I think you'll really like it. If you like this podcast, you'll probably like that. Uh, like that. It, you know, it's a comedy with a lot of drama. It lives in the grey, which is the kind of stuff I like to make. Uh, and we're really excited to get it into the new theatre this week. As you listen, May 14th to 18th, uh, it runs at 7.30 nightly. So it's Tuesday to Saturday. Uh, and also we have a matinee um, for 1pm for any of you night owls who might be working uh, those kind of days. So um, get in and see us. Tickets available at thenewtheatre.com. Um, we've got a special rate uh, on Tuesday for our previews, although they're very nearly sold out. We're really nearly sold out for uh, our preview night and our opening night. Obviously, we're trying to get as many industry in as possible. So a lot of them tickets are gone already. So please do try and get in to see us. I'd love you to see it. I'm very proud of it. Um, And it's going to be probably its last outing in Dublin, quite possibly. So get in and see it now while you can before it's gone. Um, Yeah, tickets on sale. They are €12 for the preview. Uh, Aside from that, it's €14 and €17. But I promise you'll have a really good time. And if you don't, you can spit on me outside the theatre. In other news, guys, check out our Patreon. That is patreon.com forward slash personality bingo. Uh, if you're in a position to chuck us a couple of euro, it makes a huge difference to us in the making of this podcast and I really mean that. Um, don't take that lightly because it really does. Uh, you might think, my two euro means fuck all, but it's not true. It means uh, the world. Um, and if that's not something you're in a position to do, please take a screenshot of this, share it on your Instagram, your Twitter, whatever you do. Maybe it's just tell a friend, send a tweet about episodes you're enjoying. That all makes a massive difference and it just makes uh, the running of this whole thing worthwhile while when we know you're listening and we know uh, the words getting out there to other people who we want to listen so um thanks so much for your support as always uh, in other news get tickets now for copperface jacks the musical the sellout hit from last year is coming back to the Olympia Theatre, uh, which is really, really exciting. Um, I adored the gang and I adored my summer last year, so I'm really so excited to uh, get back into the swing of things with the guys. Um, and tickets are on sale for that now, and um, they will sell out because people just love that show, thank God. Uh, and what a pleasure it is to be going back um, to do it. And aside from that, guys, yeah, please come in and see us in the Belly Button Girl. We'd love to have you. It's directed by the wonderful Romana Testa Seca. Uh, we've got a great 
great team on board this year. We have Ursula McGinn uh, designing our set, uh, Owen Lennon designing our lights, Kira Gallagher uh, doing our stage managing and all things technical, and the wonderful Tom Maher uh, has done such a great job with all our photography uh, and uh, press images and all that, which you can uh, check out uh, on the Squad Productions Instagram page, my Instagram at Timor93. Uh, get me on Twitter there, and uh, yeah, let us know you're enjoying the podcast. I love hearing from people who like it. Um, and yeah, come see us in the new theatre. And other than that, enjoy the wonderful Juliet Crosby playing personality bingo with Tom Moran. Juliet Crosby, ready to play personality bingo? Hello. Hello. All right, so a quick explanation of how it all works. Uh, I've got 60 minutes on the clock. I've got 60 balls in here and 60 corresponding questions. I've also given you a sheet of paper with five numbers on the paper. Would you do me a favour and read out the five? Eight. Yes. 23. Okay. Two. Right. 17. Nice. And 51. Gorgeous. I like when I have a musical guest because like, we can get into that rhythm. Like, I, really, I, I actually sometimes get a little bit perturbed when the guest doesn't leave space for me to go, but... We'll be in beatboxing by the end of this. Fingers crossed. We'll be writing songs. Um, Do me another favour. Would you pick a sixth number, something between one and 60 that's not already there? I will pick the number 12. Number 12. Scribble it down and tell me any reason for the number 12. Yes, it uh, (laughs) it is my birthday uh, uh, day and my birthday month. Are you you May, baby? um, No, I'm December. You're December. 12, Tom. 12. 12th. Oh, I thought you were saying oh, the 12th of the 12th. Yeah, I'm oh, 12th of the 12th. At 12 minutes past six. Wow. And two sixes are 12. That feels like some Nostradamus level shit. I don't even know, man. I hope so. Yeah. But I don't know what it's foretelling. Mm. We shall see. I'll tell you by the end of this podcast. Do. I we'll, think we can work it out. We'll work it out. Uh, and I should say that if all six of them numbers, I should also say that six is half of 12. Dun, dun, oh dun. my God. If oh my God. they do come out, that means the tables are turned. You get to ask me any question in the whole wide world. I'll give you a totally honest answer. Deal? That is a fair deal. Right, let's do it. Not guarantee I'll have a good question. All right. First out the gate, it's number 57. Do you have it? No. No worries. Number 57, what's one thing that everyone likes that you don't like? Okay, I was thinking about these kind of questions on the way up. Um, and <laughs> Were you like preempting? Well, I was, I was kind of wondering what questions I'd be asked. Right. And I did have a moment of going, I'm terrible at questions that are kind of isolator questions where I'm like, where they're, you know, what's your pet peeve? And I, will, I won't remember now and I'll remember in three hours mm. time when I'm boiling an egg and I'll be like, fuck, I found it. So uh, what was the question again? Yeah, no, there's, and there's not a lot of like pet peeve questions. I try and stay away from them. Although this is, I guess you could argue in that same ballpark, but it's what's the thing that everyone likes, everyone likes that, that you I don't like. don't like. God. If you want me to help. Yeah. Like what, what uh, as a way of getting into it, right, on, on a broader context, I realised recently, like about plays, it's like, mm. I think I like three star plays. Like whenever okay. a play gets three stars, it's always my favourite play. And when something gets five stars, now I'm speaking really broadly, uh. but like when something gets five stars, oftentimes I'm like, hmm, like for me, that was 
probably like a two star yeah, uh, you yeah, know what I mean yeah, or something like yeah. that and maybe that just appeals to like the basic bitch within me or like sometimes things are like beyond my comprehension sometimes I don't understand things that I also have a theory that like when reviewers don't fully understand something they just think it's brilliant and like yes. give it yes. now this is very boiled down but just as a way in like what are you do you when you're like experiencing theatre and attending do you find yourself kind of having a a fairly what's the right word like a fairly populist view in the sense like when people like things you generally like it or do you find yourself kind of feeling a bit contrary because you don't line up with other people's values I think I can be a bit contrary when it comes to theatre I had this discussion recently with somebody actually because he was like I'm I'm very critical about what theatre is like and I I was kind of I think I can be very easy going on theatre mm. in the sense that I'm very I'm very accepting of what's put up on stage from for most of the time and if it's put up and if it's presented in a really good way I, t- I don't tend to be as critical as I think I could be but when it comes to film even though I have absolutely no real kind of sense of you know what's really good and really bad or whatever I tend to be very critical about film and, and what you know the kind of vibe that's created I think you can create there's there's much more clarity in the vibe that's created on film and as a result I know instantly from the beginning of a film whether I'm going to like it or not and I think as a result you can kind of I can be in the beginning of a play and by the end of it love it having hated it at the very beginning or something or I think and maybe it's because as theatre makers we try to if we're aware that we're in a show that maybe we're not mad about we do have to make something out of it to get through the thing and Mm -hmm. to get through the run of it I think I'm better maybe my theatre brain kicks in and goes well what, what can I make out of this or what can I you know what can I enjoy about this even though there's a lot of it that I don't like and I think I don't do that as much with film I tend to just be no I didn't like it or yes I loved it kind of a thing do you think that's because in theatre you can't leave yes <laughs> you know what I mean yes. like they lock the fucking doors <laughs> and they emphasise at the start yes. like like God bless him and I love yeah. Vincent at the gate it's like one of my favourite parts of going to the gate but Vincent like once goes up, gone, he's at pain but yeah. once you're gone, yeah. you're gone you cannot yeah. under any circumstances be readmitted yeah. and he's right because that would like fuck up the vibe I totally get Absolutely. it but like at the same time you're also like Oh shit! Like here we and go. We're in this for the long. We're in here. this. Like it yeah. does create a weird vibe. Whereas, like you know, and and this isn't like a good thing about Netflix, but like like I've I've walked out of movies and not out of being like an asshole, just being like oh, like I only have like a little bit of life. And if a movie isn't like yes. resonating with me, I'm not even saying it's a bad movie. I'm just saying like I'm I don't think I need it. to waste <laughs> the next eighty minutes yeah. of it. I just watched Aquaman. Right. A couple of weeks ago. I haven't seen it. Shocking. Okay. Shock. And one of the only films that I've watched in the last decade I think where I've gone I need to turn this off like normally I will sit through it even if I know mm-hmm. that I hate it I will sit through it for just purely for the let's see what the things Juliet hates and what the things Juliet <laughs> loves I couldn't finish it it was so shockingly bad right it's interesting because you know the way Game of Thrones is coming out at the moment mm. and there's all this hysteria being like don't ruin it and then I actually like, haven't seen it I, I, well, I tried to get into it like okay. I tried really fucking hard Like, because yeah, yeah. I'm real like if, if loads of people like a thing I'm like I should like the thing like I, I don't I'm not like oh then yeah. people are wrong I'm like I'm wrong and you're right but like yeah. I'm happy to be wrong yes uh, so like in, in this sense I've watched Game of Thrones I watched series one and I was like okay this is right I'm going to leave it but then it came back and I was like right, I'm going to I watched into the middle of season three I was like I still don't like this I don't know uh. who anyone is I fucking hate dragons this is bullshit right <laughs> so, so um, and then like in the same like Avengers Endgame is coming out like those oh. those Marvel are you you're a big so into them uh, there's never I'm never getting out of them brilliant okay so full on I'm the op- it's not oh, even that I'm the opposite no. I'll often go and like try and get into it but I think I don't even know is this true. I think that I, when I like see like archetypes and I don't say that with judgment, I just mean like these things are inherently like archetypal in that way. Whereas like, 
and, and I know there's archetypes in everything like it's the fucking nature of like storytelling but when I can really like see it or I'm super aware of it for yeah. whatever reason like I can zone in like complexity of it or yeah. which is weird because like I'll, I'll, I'll love a rom-com fucking yes. yeah, love yeah, yeah, a rom-com yeah, yeah. which is pure archetypal exactly behavior. but but for whatever reason like it's it's like for me like dragons and fucking costumes and yeah. like wool get in the it's way it's a step too far yeah and like yeah. armour or whatever, whatever the fuck like which is yeah. that's that that's a problem with my imagination well, I mean, but perhaps it's just the preference yeah that's, that's a more compassionate no, way no, to say it there's no, there's no problem <laughs> no you're right there's no problem you're right I'm being self-deprecating yeah yeah you've been very hard on yourself mm, but for the sake of comedy Yes, yes, It's you have a problem. You have a problem. If you don't like Avengers, then you need to just leave. Get out. No, and I think it is, it's the, it's the, I, I don't, I genuinely don't know if, if I got into Game of Thrones, like if I started watching it today, somebody recommended to me the other day that I should watch the whole thing in live stream and just watch it like, I mean, like take the week and just dedicate myself to it and live stream the whole thing. I don't, nobody would watch that. Mm. Nobody would be interested in that, apart from obviously the emotional roller coaster that I imagine viewers who are very invested in it go on with it, especially if it's watched one after the other after the other. But I don't know that, like I could happily watch all of the Avengers films and all of the Marvel Universe films and take a whole week to do that one after the other after the other. Because I don't know. I just enjoy the way the stories are constructed and the way they're put together. And um, yeah, I've just come to love them over the years and, and, and love the development of all of the different strains and characters. And um, yeah, because you, you think you have a favorite in it and then it changes in the next film because you go, no, he's fucking amazing. And then no, she's amazing. And it's right. I think in the last few, there's been many more experiences of watching it and there's 10 or 15 people in the movie that you go, I, I have no favourite right now. They're all so badass and so amazing at what they're doing. I'm loving it. In terms of craft, I don't think I ever watch it. Like, uh, obviously, actors can't help but watch something and go, is the acting nice there? Or is that as new? It could have been more nuanced or could it have been more whatever. But I don't, I think it's one of the films that I can let myself go with mm-hmm. and not get caught up with the commentary of, whether or not the acting is on point or whatever, you know what I mean? And I, I think that's good as an actor to have a go-to thing you can watch that you're not in critique mode yes. all the time, but at the same time is kind of constructive as a thing you can watch to go, well, actually, I do, I'm fi- I'm finding I do have preferences about this, but they're not my go-to things that I find preferences in. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, like, in terms of, like, artistically, right, mm. <laughs> which is a funny word to use about, like, even though, like, I know they are and there's real artistry, like, by all accounts, the, the last Endgame one, I think there was, like, a press screening last night mm-hmm. and everyone was coming out, like, you know, there was a, this big no-spoilers thing, but everyone was like, yeah. this is really special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. like, yeah. and again, in no way, and, like, the cast are amazing, mm. like, the writing team's amazing, mm. the direct, like, the budgets, they're, like, I, I'm no way, like, shitting on it, it's just, it's yeah, not, yeah, yeah. it it's hasn't not been for thing. me to this point. It's not your thing. But like the idea of you, right, of going into something like one of these big, sh- like let's use like something like Endgame, right? Aye, the idea yeah. of like being cast in that, right? Like okay. in this universe where this happens, yeah. okay? Versus being cast in, I don't know, like a Richard Linklatery like indie vibe, like where yeah. it's maybe like a like a, a two hander, like yeah. I don't know, like a like a, a romancy thing or, or like a, a mother daughter thing or something like that. I don't know, whatever yeah. the fuck it might be. Like, what would appeal to you more Definitely artistically? The Marvel movie. Really, you'd be just like, yeah, <laughs> dive in there. Yeah, especially if it's a kick ass character. Totally. Definitely. Yeah, I could I could totally see like well it's something like Game of Thrones in particular because I don't know if you remember this when you first because we were in the same agency for a while. Mm-hmm. And I used to, I think, we we met about it when, because I think, 
about frontline because I was on the applications committee. You were, so for you like were, anyone yeah, you know listening yeah. from abroad or whatever who does or like not in the acting scene, um, I, I was in a co-op called Frontline, which is a brilliant group of like you know thirty actors, and basically uh, it's a way where like actors get to really take like kind of um, control over their career and like act as each other's agents and mm-hmm. it's a really really good format and um, that's where both me and Juliet like started uh, after drama school and I like, I poached you you did from the gaiety school you I spotted me. you and I was like she's mm-hmm. fucking deadly we get her in yeah we got we got <laughs> her in which was unreal but I remember one of the first um, things that you had to do was uh, self-tape for Vikings and we did it yeah. together and oh rem- my god yes this is it yes yeah, yeah. and I remember being yeah. like oh she's so good because like, yeah. you're always worried when you bring someone in you're like I hope either like first of all that they're not like terrible and second of all that they're not a crazy person yes. and I was like okay she's a crazy person but she's Definitely. really good but she's nice <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I could totally see you in that like in that like vibe I think because yeah. I'm sure you hear this all the time but you do have like well, amazing eyes well it's the Scandinavian eyes. thing and it's the blue eyes and the fair hair do you have a Scandinavian thing um, well, that we know about I have a big Scandinavian <laughs> um, a no, big I, I've gotten to, I've got a big axe at home actually to yeah. grind yeah it's massive <laughs> in the sexy way though. just just go with it. Just go, go with the vibe. Yeah. Um. I do. I've been told several times that I don't. I don't look Irish, and I mm. come across as either Scandinavian or um, kind of Nordic German. And does that bother you, or do you take not, pride in that? Not at all. Not at all. No. I mean, considering the fact that I'm from Dundalk, I'm quite happy to be told <laughs> that I look like I'm from fucking Berlin. Or yeah. Something. You don't want yeah. someone to go. You look like you're from you Dundalk. Look like you're from Louth. You know <laughs> Has anyone ever told you that? Yeah. 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 Because yeah. I immediately, yeah. immediately like just gammy yellow teeth. Absolutely. Like well, cross-eyed. Well, well, like yeah. Tommy Jaren has this great <laughs> description in like a real old set where he, where he describes like how there's a man in his local village whose teeth have a comb over. Oh my god! I just heard that the other day. Actually. Really? Yeah. He's yeah. unbelievable. He's unbelievable. I love Tommy Jaren. He's so yeah, great. He was a big staple growing up in the household. Mm. He yeah. he would be like a dream guest for this podcast. He'd be amazing. He'd be so good. He's so wonderful on that TV show that he has, where he like he doesn't oh, know the guest. Man. He knows f all about them. They come on and he just talks and he just like it's that vibe that I think Graham Norton has down to a T where like you look at some Irish television interview programs and you go this is like pulling teeth Mm. and these are naturally charismatic naturally interesting generally highly educated people that they have on on these shows and yet somehow you're making it seem like they're not an interesting person to talk to and Mm. that's I don't I don't think that's down to the the host per se but there's definitely a vibe that's created on the scene and then you watch something like the Graham Norton show and you go they're so relaxed these are absolute A-list stars that are sick to the teeth probably of doing interviews all the time for the same films same fucking questions been asked and yet they're so fresh and they're so like their responses are so original and, and I think it's the vibe that they set in that zone and they just let them be themselves maybe the alcohol helps also <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Helps. sometimes they are belie- like remember Mark Wahlberg yeah. and you're like oh he's <laughs> he's not on the same planet as me yeah, yeah. Um, what about you as a person right like so we look at someone like Tommy Tiernan who mm. works as a comedian primarily also as a actor as a writer um, I've seen Tommy Tiernan on stage by the way in that druid um, yes, Sive. Sive? Did yeah. you see that? I didn't see Sive. He was but fucking my, brilliant. My, one of my close friends, Grania Good, was in it. She played yeah. the lead Sive. Yeah, she was great. Uh, and she he, was magnificent. But like Tommy Tiernan was phenomenal. And there was the whole thing about, will he be good? Is he even an actor? Is he capable of that kind of thing? And he came out and blew people's socks off. And it wasn't like he was just using, you know, like comedic timing and like, yes. you know, his reputation as like an Irish celebrity. Like he was physically beautiful to watch. Yes. Oh, he was amazing. But what I was going to ask you was like, so he's doing something like this, you know, uh, 
it, it, like imp, imp, I was going to say improvised interview show but like I mean mm. it's, it's an interview show mm. um, and uh, he has these amazing chats um, you like do, do, would you have an interest in doing something like that we were talking off mic about you know being becoming more and more open to doing more mm. things and like you know the issue of limiting yourself which is like because yeah. you know in in life you know people just like say what do you do and like your instinct is to go oh, I'm an actor or mm-hmm. I'm a writer mm-hmm. when in truth like yes and all the fucking <laughs> other things <laughs> this myriad yeah so what layers. what's your what what's yeah maybe the question is just what is your relationship to that because mm-hmm. it's never endingly fascinating to me it is and it's something that actually Amy O'Dwyer one of our co-frontline members um said to me one day where she was like I, I want to find other things that I can do that uh, you know that I didn't maybe realize that I could do or even just that I didn't realize I had an interest in doing and I think that's imperative um for an actor or any creative person at all I think that is in a specific um work place or in a specific uh it, role in this industry that you find other things that you're doing that uh, like I'm constantly being told find other people that aren't in your industry to talk to and be friends with and be engaged with because just simply from the point of view that it's important to be engaging with things that aren't just talking about castings and talking about what have you been seen for and did you get seen for that and have you heard about this and it is, I think that's increasingly important um, for us all to be engaged with the the outside world mm-hmm. <laughs> so to speak without it being you know like we're all in our little bubble because we're not I think we as actors we have and as artists we have to be reaching out towards the world so that we're not completely you know because otherwise we wouldn't have anything to make or anything to draw from but I think I I can definitely say that we get wrapped up in the like you forget about things like oh the nurses are on strike again why oh because they have absolutely no pay and they're suffering constantly and they're working these ridiculous hours and I think putting something like that in perspective to going I haven't been cast in three months and you go, oh, okay, no, I could be working in the coom and be running a 12 or 14 hour shift and be getting absolutely no money, mm-hmm. you know. So I think that's something that really interests me from the point of view of challenging my own sense of, you know, what is what is my, what's my current problem and how is it, how is it not really a problem? How is it something that I'm creating to be a problem inside this industry because of, you know things that might not have bothered me three years ago when I came out of college because I was just happy to be getting opportunities and now because I'm out I'm kind of going well this is a problem and that's the thing that's annoying me and it's kind of like well are you making that an issue that way so yes your original question was uh, other things that I do that I don't put down under the genre of acting and artistry um I think I'm and better it's not, it's at asking e- questions than I am at answering them yeah I think I'm I would probably be a better interviewer than interviewee um, because I'm generally fascinated by other people. Okay, well, here's um, the sheets of paper. Here's, <laughs> here's the bingo here's machine. Here's the bingo machine. <laughs> uh, I'm very interested. This will be fine. <laughs> this would be great. No, this I, has well, never been done. I, I'm sure you'd be a great interviewer, but I but I also think you're very interesting to talk to. I mean, but I I, imag- I imagine that mm. the skills of being a good interviewer are probably quite similar to the skills of being a good interviewee. Now, there's definitely mm. people that would disagree with that. Mm. And like, there's definitely examples where that is not true. But like, I think really fundamentally it comes down to listening and like yeah you know be like how honest are you willing to be Absolutely um yeah, yeah. you know so but maybe like even even within that you know so obviously like say writing yeah. right is that something you you have an interest in Absolutely yeah. yeah I think it's something that I'm shockingly bad at from time to time I think everybody can be but I think <laughs> on the whole like I I tend to be very 
very critical about my own work. And, I, and do, to do the you, point where I can limit myself from ever actually developing it or putting it out somewhere or right. or or even just developing developing it from a rough draft stage to an additional draft stage for myself. Okay. You know, I think I shoot it in the foot before it's even come to life. Interesting. Mm. So uh, when you were in college, mm. in one of the, the lead ups to like, like, like I was saying, like I was going around to all those things, you know, mm. looking for people for Frontline. And, and <laughs> you make it sound very, uh, oh, very I? suspect. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. He was going around looking for people. Well, no, like you know, I was just going like you know, theaters, you like screenings, bushes, yeah, yeah. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, a lot can be found in bushes, actually. A lot, a of lot. a lot of surprising <laughs> amount. Yeah, especially when you're looking for young actors. Oh god. Uh, <laughs> I, if that wasn't actually, I, I don't know what you thought I was. Im- do you think I was talking about vaginas? Because no, I wasn't. Absolutely okay, not. Okay, good. No. I was talking about like bushes. Didn't... I was saying that people go drinking and they fall asleep in bushes. Okay, this is, yes. Uh, what? Yeah. Now I'm paranoid. No, don't be. Okay. Don't be. <laughs> don't be. I was going to give you a compliment the and word you vagina fucking didn't ruined it. even. Go on. Well, when I said bushes, you made a face. Like, that's not the biggest well, stretch for me. Okay, yeah. No, I think we okay. thought of different bushes. Which <laughs> no, is I was thinking wrong. of the bushes with leaves on them. You were thinking of the bushes with pubic hair. Of, no, I was thinking of bushes with leaves. <laughs> okay. I was just thinking of what the kind of activities that occur in the bushes, and I think we were thinking of two different activities. Okay. You were thinking of drinking. I was thinking of something else. Gardening. Yeah. Yeah. Pruning. <laughs> Pruning. <laughs> Trimming. I was going to give. What was your question? I, I was going to say you're, you're, it, it wasn't even a question. The manifesto showcase. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I went to the manifesto showcase, yeah. which for people who don't know is a brilliant thing, and I think every Amazing. drama school should do it because yeah. I got well, I studied in Chicago for a year, and I got mm. to do basically that. It was called solo performance over there, but same pre- like same um, same idea mm. of that you you know go and you work with uh, like a, a tutor so to speak, and they you like craft pieces over the course of like a semester, and then you perform them. But like the premise for ours was very much that it, it's. Which is a little bit different, maybe the manifesto, but our, in Chicago, it was very much said it's not a character; it's you on stage, like telling the fucking truth. Um, and you can do that through words, which I often veer towards because I'm a wordy person. But you can also do it through movement, which was kind of less explored through music, through dance, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. But I was so struck when I went to see your manifesto because you know everyone's piece was really good. Like I really, I loved going to see them genuinely. Mm-hmm. But like yours was fascinating because. I'd seen you in stuff previous and was like, oh, she's like a kick-ass actor and like she was someone that I was, you were someone I was keeping an eye on. Mm-hmm. Like, from knowing your name from the little booklets they give out and then you come out and you're doing this mad 9-11 piece and it's this movement vibe and mm-hmm. it's uh, completely different to what everyone else around you is doing. It was like yeah. a ghost thing, loads of makeup. Like, I remember like dirt. I just remember it. It was be- flour. It was actually whole wheat flour. It was whole wheat flour. So it was this yeah. completely different vibe to everything else that was going on. I was like, and that's not even to judge the people who are doing the other stuff because that's what I would have done. I, yes. they, they did like the right thing for them. But I was like, it was so interesting that you made that choice to go mm. and subvert that. Now, that like on the surface looks like such a bold artistic mm. choice that I still remember mm. three years later. Thank you. Or, <laughs> no, and was that also rooted in the fact that like you were like, I'm not sure if I'm confident enough in my writing? Um, Quite possibly. Right. Yeah, quite. there was definitely um a vibe of not wanting to talk uh, in the in the piece but uh, the piece came from um a much shorter one like a maybe one well maybe three or four minute piece that i had developed maybe six months previously mm. and i don't actually remember what the brief was but i remember it was one of the only times that i've ever had an idea for a piece of theater for strike me very very hard on the 
face mm. <laughs> with the mallet. And um, I was sitting in the black box and I was listening to the feedback of one of the other manifesto pieces. And I was thinking about the brief that I'd just gotten. And um, it just struck me very hard. And it was actually an idea for a, a mental asylum um, that I, 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 the kind of aesthetic vibe reached me before the meaning of the actual piece did. And mm. then I just went with the aesthetic vibe of it. And um, I developed it and developed it and developed it. And then I thought, actually, no, I don't want this to be about a mental asylum at all. And there's no correlation whatsoever between the mental asylum and the 9-11 piece. But mm -hmm. it was purely the aesthetic vibe that led me to going. And I just became completely obsessed with 9-11. I became completely enthralled by the, the story of what happened the day. Mm. Um, I think because it was obviously it was the year 2016 we were doing this piece in and at the time Syria and all of the surrounding Middle Eastern countries were really that that kind of violent um really awful period of time where there was daily bombings mm. happening was really kicking off and it was every day you would wake up to like 13 killed or 43 killed or 150 killed and it was kind of, it was alarming because I was looking at it as a Westerner going, we're Western, right? Mm -hmm. As a Westerner going, this uh, this isn't on, this isn't, you know, first billing on the news. This isn't on the front page of anything. This isn't, and they were just being kind of diminished and diminished and diminished. And I was getting increasingly annoyed at the fact that whatever limited amount of power that I might have as a white female in the Western world is getting smaller and smaller and smaller because it's becoming less important to the people around me. And um, when the piece was originally done the year previous, it was just the woman in the tower. And it was based off, um, I think her, I, I actually horribly forget her name now. I think it's um, Sandra, um, I don't actually remember her mm. full name, but she was based, it, it was, all of the calls are on YouTube. All of the calls from the people in the tower to the ground, to the 911, to the 911 services um, are, are on YouTube. And you can hear a lot of people's final moments on yeah. the phone to people and to family and friends and mm -hmm. stuff. And um, it was this one woman in particular whose dialogue I had followed and I'd kind of cut together with the responses from the the, the police service on the ground. And... She's just doing her best. She's kind of reassuring this woman going like, I'm, you're going to be OK. We're going to get you out of there. It's fine. And this other the woman in the tower is obviously freaking out. She's it's it's so hot in here. We can't breathe. But there's no air. There's no air. And um, the piece was literally just a trajectory of that soundscape going on um, with an overlay of hand covers bruise, which is a Trent Reznor track of the uh, social network soundtrack, mm. which I had been kind of playing around with the Gone Girl soundtrack because it's so atmosphere. I love Trent Reznor and I love his work with Atticus Ross for all of those films. And there's just a very creative vibe inspired in me when I hear that kind of atmospheric music that does have a particular direction or a particular that it's not kind of not that Brian Eno doesn't have it, but it's it, there's just a slight edge to it. Uh, by way of the story that they are telling because there's a movie it, it's accompanying a movie whereas Brian Eno's tracks tend to be even if they're concept albums they tend to just be accompanying an idea of his whereas like Trent Reznor has to accompany a sound like it's a soundtrack so mm -hmm. it has to accompany a story um, and I, I I had been playing around with a, a track I don't actually remember what it's called but it's off the Gone Girl soundtrack it's the sugar it's the bit where he rubs the sugar off her lips to kiss her and yeah. it's, it's just this absolutely I think it's like um I think it's xylophone and it was just that whole the world you know when a piece of music can take you into a world of 
completely different vibe and a smell and a taste and a touch and you're you're immersed in something for a minute and a half or two minutes and for me it tends to be music that doesn't have any lyrics it tends to be either classical or um even just atmospheric music like that and I was playing around with the movement of it with the 9-11 woman with that song and it wasn't working so I changed soundtrack entirely and there was just this immediate spark with the hand covers bruise track where it had this kind of not trying to be but very much achieving the whole like late 90 early 2000 vibe mm. inside the music and I think it lent itself very well to the piece because obviously it was 2001 when, when 9-11 occurred and it wasn't trying to be that time and that place but it was achieving it for me at least as the as the maker of it sure and obviously you've no control then when people watch it whether or not they get that vibe whatsoever but the feedback of it in the in the first class was it, it took me very much to that place. And I think it had a lot to do with the overlay of the, the woman talking and, and the, the tower victim and stuff. Yeah, like it, it it's very interesting that you say that because um, <clears throat> on the 50th episode of this podcast, um, we did like a reverse interview thing where, where oh, very our cool. producer at the time, Taz Kelleher, chatted to me. And um, <clears throat> we talked about that very thing because when I was doing that class mm. in Chicago, mm. I was the first person to write about 9-11 really yeah which they were all like that's so fucking weird like because yeah. not that they didn't think I'd know about it but like they definitely didn't think it like impacted yeah yeah absolutely. and I, I wrote this it, it's actually quite similar like I focused yeah. on one person you know that I'm sure if you're like interested in 9-11 mm. or whatever it's it's you know that image of the falling man oh. like the upside down yeah. man with the briefcase yeah. and like that like so our brief was to write an image about it like a historical figure mm. and like you know some people are big history buffs mm. Mm. I'm probably not um, like super into history or anything like that. So I was, um, you know, like as I'm interested in history in so much as anyone is, but it, I, w I couldn't tell you like loads about like the fucking Bal Hastings. You know what Aye. I mean? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I, I like focus on this guy because like, yeah. I think, feel like that's like a pretty famous image. Yeah. And like I just did this piece like that where we just kind of like, it was just loads of questions and it's recorded in the 50th episode of this if anyone wants to go and listen to it about halfway mm. through. But it's just literally a lot of questions. It's like, I wonder if the falling man like to brush his teeth like I wonder if mm. the falling man mm. went to Broadway shows yeah. I wonder if the falling man ever paid for yeah. sex like it was yeah, just doing yeah. this just asking loads of questions like some of them like were kind of comedic some of them were kind of like just real normal but yeah, just like yeah. humanising this because like no one really knows who the, he was uh, yeah. so it's just this fascinating thing but like when 9-11 happened so what age are you like super oh God, young I was like well, I was 95, so 95, was, what, six, six years? I was six. Right. And I just remember my sister being picked up from school. Victoria was, Victoria's my sister. I was, older um, sister. Older sister, she she lives in the US. Um, She was very into the US and US politics when I was growing up. And she was a massive West Wing fan and very much wanted to get into kind of US correspondence, like a Mark Little kind of a job. And um, in the end, she went for psychology. But I, I grew up in a household where America was very much a... Um, country that we would have been interested in mm -hmm. we would have I like we would have been watching tv about it we would have been watching the west wing a lot so mom, so uh, like victoria and my father would have conversed an awful lot about american politics mm. and stuff like that you've so got when an american happened, flag in your shirt i actually do right now and i've got the new new orleans on it which is gas very um, good i i have a bit of an american vibe going on at the minute actually. yeah i went out to to portland last last summer last september for the first time she lives out in portland with her husband 
and it's a beautiful place it's really really gorgeous uh, nothing it, not at all like Philadelphia where I'd been before because they had lived there before completely different it feels like sides of the world yeah um, and what's it like having a sister over that side of the world in terms of like maintaining a relationship despite the distance it's really hard yeah it, it is and there's a 10 year age gap between us and that I think that can only make it harder sometimes because you feel like there's things that I'm experiencing for the first time in my life that she's already gone through and, mm-hmm. and relaying that to somebody when you're sitting opposite them is one thing when you're doing it over a Skype call is even harder um, and even to do it like 10 years apart and just how quickly the world changes now yes, like not yes. to be like with As technology where she was at 23 versus where I yeah. am in the world around her it mm-hmm. was vastly different yeah in terms of like so many things in terms of like like housing and stuff like living in Ireland I know she doesn't live here anymore but like in terms of jobs and just Mm. career trajectory yeah absolutely was that hard to say trajectory it is a hard word to say yeah I can speak I love that word but I can't I can no it takes me a minute to get it out and then just like and like literally how technology has changed so many things in terms of like like just practically like dating and like meeting Mm. people and your relationship with your friends the world actually is super different from 10 years ago completely like that's something like you say and then you go ah but is it really like we're all just humans but like no it actually is it's so different yeah yeah it is would you think alright thought experiment would okay. you rather have been you're 23 yeah would you rather have been 23 in 2009 or 23 today I, I think I'm fairly happy being 23 today right uh, I think I'd rather not be 23 <laughs> what age would you like to be Um, I don't know I think growing up in a house of adults made my age feel a little bit odd to me from time to time. I think uh, I often feel mentally about 26 and then as a result of growing up in a house of adults and skipping certain parts of childhood experience and maybe kind of not letting myself experience certain things that other other kind of uh, similar aged people would have kind of makes me also very young in my mind mm-hmm. uh, to myself. And what so, kind of things are those? I don't know, just from the point of view of like like for instance when we talk about the fact that 10 years ago the world was so different I think both of my siblings when they were 23 would never have been out drinking or been out clubbing or anything like that with their friends and even younger than that in their teens for instance whereas when I went into secondary school by the time I was about 15 the entirety of my year bar maybe 10 or 15 or 20 people or so would have been house parties at the weekend and shit like that and introducing the culture of drink into a younger a younger and younger sphere mm. and at 15 I like I didn't have a drink till I was about 19 right so that kind of made going to college a very different experience for me and it definitely was you know a certain amount of structure and well-behaved Juliet and then a certain amount of rebellion inside of that strain as well mm-hmm. but um I think I was fairly happy with how I had my teen years but looking back at 23 I go Jesus I would have gone wild if I if I had known that I would have gone wilder when I got into my 20s you know I would have balanced it out a little bit more I feel So do you feel like now you're in the middle of your like wild times? I don't know I don't <laughs> not really no I don't I feel like I'll be one of those people that's like I should go I should do more you know wild crazy shit and then I try and I'm like no I don't like this I'm yeah. gonna go home Like you're more likely you know? to literally be pruning the bush Absolutely. than having sex in the bush yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no but seriously yeah. like, because yeah. off mic remember like yeah. we were slagging and I was like yeah but you've got kind of like old granny vibes, vibes. Granny vibes. total granny vibes you do yeah. and I, I yeah. mean that in a nice way but I totally yeah. like if you say you feel 
like 26 or something like that like mm. I, I'd say that and like I, if, if you'd said older I would have been like yeah you know what I mean Yeah. I, 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 I can relate like in a certain sense I think we're quite different and I probably have more of a youthful sort of like even in the way you talk it's probably more slow and like precise whereas I've got quite like high energy which is, is kind of I think in, it feels inherently youthful, youthful but yeah. I've definitely felt and yeah, yeah, sometimes I feel like I have to be careful when I say this, but like I've definitely felt at times like a loneliness mm. in sometimes like this is delicate to say because I, I in no way am I saying like I feel more advanced than everyone else around me. That's not true at all. That, like that's literally not true. Yeah. But at the same time, I have felt a loneliness at moments in sort of like an emotional maturity mm. within myself or like I, I mean specifically. At, at times in friendships and thank, thankfully mm. I really feel like that's less and less now mm. I feel like I've kind of find, found kind of find a middle ground yeah and like yeah. finding your tribe and stuff yeah. which ironically yeah. oftentimes is slightly older people yeah. Um, and then but like in relationships and stuff like that I, you know as a like as a young man or whatever like I, mm. I'd really like to have a relationship but like I probably like struggled to mm. find someone who like was on a similar and like it's not like an, an attraction thing or a or a chemistry thing even it's more of like a sort of an emotional understanding like I that's that's where I struggle to connect yeah. and I do sometimes attribute that to uh, like age like literal age like of people who are like around your age and whatever versus like an emotional age of who you connect to they don't always line up yeah no they don't they don't and that's what's fascinating about um kind of delving into your own um, needs by way of who you need to connect with mm. um, inside your life on a daily or maybe weekly or monthly basis because I, I think it's important. It was something that I discovered in the last year that you often think you your tribe is one thing and then something happens or somebody comes along and you go, my actually my tribe is something completely different. And I think allowing that change and that transience in yourself to kind of go, there's there are changes happening in me that I cannot control. There are changes happening inside of my own my own sense of self and my own spirit that I will not have any control over to the point where I might not even have any awareness over. And I think things can happen to you in your life or thing or people can come along and come in and come out of your life and you can kind of go, fuck, I I didn't realize I needed that person as much as I did until mm. they came into my life. Mm. And I think allowing my I think a lesson I've learned in the last year for myself is that I I need to not be I I can be a terrible terrible lone wolf from time to time. I think because there was an age gap of 10 and 13 years between my siblings, there was a period of time where the things that I would have done for play like any normal 10 or 11 year old or whatever, or even younger, my siblings wouldn't have been doing because they were 17 or 21. Mm -hmm. And I think that put a divide between um, us in, in this. And I grew up in the countryside, so I was very isolated from time to time from from friends in school and stuff like that. And I, I grew up kind of as a lone wolf for a large period of my childhood. And I think that has definitely fed into kind of isolating myself from my my people and I know a lot like everybody can go Jesus it's been weeks since I saw my best friend from time to time and you know that they're your best friend when you meet up and it's not like you've you've been apart for a month you just you click and you meet and it's fine but I, I definitely have I'm putting more pressure on myself in a good way to reach out to people and see people and connect with people mm. of of a, a huge variety of age ranges and 
um, and career paths as well because I think if you can identify in yourself a sense of you find it easier to isolate yourself from other people um, I think it's good to put the pressure on yourself in a good way in a positive way that goes reach out to that person have a cup of coffee right. uh, sit down and have a conversation you don't know where it's going to lead to and just allowing I think trying to allow myself to just be a bit more vulnerable with people a little bit more because from from growing up with adults I think there was an always a sense of uh, not wanting to be vulnerable around other people not not wanting to be vulnerable around older people especially because I never felt like I could be mm. and then finding myself in an industry and in a network where predominantly I'm around older people I'm around 25 26 year olds who were in my class etc and I tend to be one of the younger people in the room all the time. Yeah. So allowing yourself to live in that space of I feel like I have to be mature right now to be taken seriously, but I can also be safe enough in my own skin to be vulnerable with them, just mm. like they would be safe enough to be vulnerable with me. But even though the age dynamic is different, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. You know, but I think um, especially now where people are becoming more frank about their mental mental illness. And I think illness is a really interesting word for for what a lot of people are experiencing, especially our generation. Right. And it was something my dad said to me the other day where he was like, I I can't imagine what it must be like growing up in your generation right mm -hmm. now at your age. And you need to, it was, you know, the thread of the conversation was you need to go easy on yourself. You need to, you know, stop beating yourself up over, you know, shit yeah. that it, the shit that isn't relevant. You know, when you're on your deathbed, that's not something you're going to be thinking about, yeah. you know. And <laughs> it's important to let yourself go for a minute and go hey you're dealing with a lot of stuff subterranean that you don't mm. you don't realize you are yeah you know? i think that's important for everybody at some point to hear and go go easy like totally you know like take the pet take the foot off the pedal for a minute like it's so funny you say that i had mm. the weirdest moment today mm. i nearly have tears when i was i can see that remember yeah. like i don't but i don't know what i i don't even i don't even I would be very comfortable i was crying i don't even feel sad about it i just yeah like it, it it's uh, but I, I had this moment where I was so this is so silly. I was on Instagram this morning on the bus or something, yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, there was this fuck. Someone had a picture of that cat oh. on it, or like a little Instagram story that cat, yeah, yeah. and the cat was just like nudging against their leg yeah, yeah, yeah. and just like yeah. batting the air yeah, and just chilling. Yeah. I was like, that cat, like it doesn't need anything. It doesn't need, it doesn't need fucking yeah. anything. It's just there, yeah. like being a little bit warm against. It's favorite person in the world. It's favorite probably. person in the world. Yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's what it was like. Maybe that's what it was like because yeah. like that's probably what on some level like so much of what we we need is. Yes. Going back to you, like talking about that lone wolfness because again, like I relate to that. Like for example, at the moment, like I'm living by myself. Like mm. I just came mm. back from like a week in Donegal, mm. literally by myself. I really yeah, yeah, didn't yeah. see like Completely anyone. Yeah. Like just and, and I love that. I'm so mm. happy. Mm. I, and I'm also like a hyper social person in other ways. You know what I mean? Like it's I, that nice balance of introvert and extrovert. Where right. You can need people and then not want to be around a single soul on the earth totally. for a very long period of time. And at the same time, I'm, I always surprise myself when I'm like. Ah, Yep, community feels good. Like yes, even even yeah. something like frontline, right? Yeah. Like that. Like I would say that was like the worst part about like leaving something like that. It's mm. it's not like obviously like you like that's tied in because it's like nice people yeah, and you yeah, like yeah. them and like you're also really appreciative of like all the good things that happened within that. But like also like it's a it, anything that has an inbuilt community within it. Like mm. I'm really attracted to. It. Like mm. I like I could totally like even when people talk about or like I hear about my grandparents and you know or I, I knew my grandparents but like knew them to like go to mass every week I'm like yeah I get it see the same people every week yeah. like you know doing a charitable thing and putting the money in like John's basket and getting communion off Moira and 
seeing Beck yes. and Fidelma outside Aye, and shaking and just hands. Checking up with everybody. Yeah. That's gorgeous. Like that yeah. is beautiful. Yeah. Like and whatever that looks like for you, whether that's going yes. to a football match or going to choir or yeah. like a Practicing fucking book club. Yeah, doing yeah. your yeah. whatever. Yeah. I totally get it. Like yeah. Like while you are a lone wolf and something like that's inherent in you and like a beautiful thing about you, do you need the other thing as well? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's again, it's not something I realized till about a year ago that I kind of went, oh, I, yeah, this is an important aspect. I think primarily from going from secondary school straight into the gaiety and coming through the gaiety, and I think coming through the gaiety in years where you're. In a way, when you say that a baby is very formative in its years from zero months to three, that's absolutely 100% true. And I, I have a nephew at the moment who I'm absolutely in love with. Mm. And it's the first time that we've ever had, that I've ever experienced a baby in the house because yeah. obviously I would have been the baby, Yeah. Um, which is great because I'm not getting called the baby anymore, which is fantastic. <laughs> it's doing a lot for my sense of self. Um, but... I think you then find you have another set of formative years from the ages of about 18 to 25 or so because, again, you're becoming aware of yourself and of the world around you and how you fit into it in a way that you were doing, again, at the ages of one to three. Mm. But it's less of an extreme thing because you're less vulnerable in the same ways that a baby is. Mm -hmm. But I think, um, yeah, becoming aware again of, of how growing up in the gaiety and coming through that process and feeling very at times um, kind of it's the sense of worthlessness and the sense of self-consciousness and you know you're trying you're pretending to be somebody else for a role and yet you barely know who you are underneath all of it and and being aware of that as a thing I think is imperative for anybody who wants to go into acting college young because you know I've heard so many teachers in different schools go there should be an age limit on all of the drama schools you know you shouldn't be able to get in until you're about 22 or 23 purely from the basis that you don't absorb things the same way. Uh, sometimes you're not emotionally ready for the kind of exploration that's needed for drama school. So, um, yeah, I think in the last year, realizing what limitations I was putting on myself and where they came from. And a lot of the time they've come from the chronology of where I went, like going from school to college to feeling like I had to be a certain thing for the industry mm-hmm. to feeling like, and Jesus, like I'm not fucking Jodie Foster. I'm not, I wasn't a child star or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. But I think it is important if you're a person who puts the pressure on yourself to be a certain thing, to fit into a certain demographic and to want to succeed, I think being aware of that is imperative because if if that's your go-to place psychologically, you're going to run yourself into the ground. And when you experience that, you go, okay, fuck, this was nobody's fault but mine. Mm. And at the same time, I'm the only cure that I have for getting me out of it kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting Like because they, they literally talk about that as like, you know... Uh, developmental phase of like emerging yeah, adulthood I yeah. think which like I think goes up until you're like actually like almost 30 yeah or maybe 30 stop forming and start stop kind of changing and stuff apparently to your right and like I wonder that about drama schools because that's a really interesting point like well I, like honestly honestly I think mm. the best drama school in, in like let's play a game where we like rewrite drama school <laughs> right this isn't true I, I don't actually mean this but I kind of mean it yeah. like where it, it's actually just manifesto like it's kind of just manifesto like because manifesto and a good voice teacher right well definitely yeah okay you see I think you got you guys have some kind of wizardry going on because ha- <laughs> everyone always talks about like um, voice teachers with this well, unbelievable well I can only reverence. I can only vouch for the year that I was in where we had an, a wonderful wonderful years experience with Helena Walsh yeah and I'm an absolute 
adoring fan of Helena's work. I think Fitzmaurice as a way of working for me as one person in the sea of many hundreds of thousands of actors in the world. Um, I think it's a beautiful craft. I think mm. it's a wonderful way of and it's something that we were talking off off mic. <laughs> I was going to say off cam <laughs> off mic about um, the, the book that I'm reading, The You, The Career mm. by Benjamin Mathis. And there's this wonderful it's what you just said about reaching into a community kind of thing. And do you find that you need to do that and finding how important that is in your life? And there's this little section, maybe three thirds of the way through the book of. So how do you form a, a healthier relationship with your, your craft and with your industry and just with yourself in general? Mm-hmm. And I got to the point of the book going, OK, you've given me all these class things, Benjamin. Now tell me how what are the thing? What are we doing? What's the next step? And he was like, so I'm going to tell you what the next step is. And he has three things and it's reach in, reach out and reach something else. I don't remember what it is because I haven't gotten to it yet. Okay. Um, sorry, folks. <laughs> You'll have to buy the book. Um, and the reach in thing is whatever it is for you is just literally dusting off the cobwebs off your soul and literally it can be going for a run it can be listening to music it can be whatever inspires you literally to just be reinvigorated by yourself and by your own existence and not in an egotistical way in a way that's going oh hello I'm actually alive today class I was worrying about having to file my taxes and having to pay my rent let's let's just play around with the soul for a minute you know and I think Fitzmaurice is a great craft for allowing you to do that and you do find um much more space inside yourself when you practice it for a while I mm. I think and I think everybody has their own th- whether it's Alexander or whether it's not voice it's just physical stuff it, it, it's it's very it's very individual to the person mm. so what what is so it's reach in which is that reach in reach out and what's and reach out I haven't gotten to it. Oh, you haven't gotten to it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, yeah, I should just read the book. It sounds like the book's amazing. It's amazing. Right. It's lovely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know where I saw it. I think I think some another fellow actor was reading it and they put it up on Instagram and mm. I saw it and I was like, oh, I'll try that out. You have to order it from Amazon though. Let's give it a spin. Yeah. We've done so little spinning. I know, we've done very little spinning. We've been doing too much talking. Too much chat. Not too much talking, the right amount because it's been lovely chats. Uh, number 26, do you have it? I don't. No worries. Two and six, number 26. What's your most treasured relationship with someone over the age of 65? Oh, um, my goodness. I will probably say my nana. Mm. Yeah. Um, my my father's from Galway, Ballinasloe County, Galway, and his two parents passed away in the region of two thousand and four, two thousand and five, in within a few months of each other. So, I never really knew them as well as I think I could have. Right. Um. And obviously, geographically, it was difficult too. But my nana lives in Dundalk, and um, I think I have a fairly good relationship with her. Mm. Um. My granddad passed away about two years ago, which was um. It was the first time I'd ever seen. Um, death really affect my family mm. um, I think it didn't not that the, my grandparents af- didn't affect my dad or my mum or anything but it was just I was more aware of it because of my own age and, and being aware of how when something like that comes into a household how it dramatically changes a household and dramatically changes people um, and it's just very hard watching your parent lose a parent as yeah. well but uh, my nana is, is alive and well and healthy thanks be to God Good. Yeah. So your grandparents died within a f- like a few months of each other. Yeah. And was it that yeah. case of like you know they they talk about that like yeah. a broken heart? Aye. Well, I think my grandfather died of I think it was lung related, and then my nana within a few months of him, I believe it was a return of cancer, mm. and 
it was something I my my mum and I are very very much into the idea of reading a lot more about um I I personally believe an awful lot in vibration I, be, I believe in an awful lot in how vibration or frequency affects your health mm. um I, I think as a person I love to be as aware as I can of how my own environment and relationships with people and relationships with the closest people to me as well as my career literally affect my health and I find that if there's a problem in my life and I'm stressing on it and I'm and, and very anxious and thinking about it too much in a negative way the next day I will have something wrong I will have a sore throat I will have dodgy knee joints or you know whatever and I do find that there's an enormous impact on stress on between stress and the, the health factor on the body mm. um and there is obviously the notion that um, granddad passed away and due to the absolute pain of it and the shock of it, um, it, it, it shakes a person. Death obviously shakes a person so violently and so vehemently that personally, I think it's it's not ridiculous, but it, it is something to be considered that it affects your body and your cells in such a way that you can become ill. Mm. And if the circumstances are wrong, if your age is 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 on one side of very old and your health is on one side of very poor i think you can be you can become ill very quickly and very easily and i think it's been heard multiple times that you know they died of a broken heart kind of a thing but i think there's more of a an actual physical basis of how their health was dramatically affected by this other person's death or this other person's loss. You know? Yeah, it's interesting because mm. like I can only imagine they were together for like a long time. Your, yeah. your grandparents, yeah. like my grandparents, were the same. They were together for like seventy years, yeah. more or less, and nine kids between them. So really, yeah, right. So like, I mean, crazy stuff. Like, yeah. I, I, it, it's interesting because I just wonder: is that something that will happen with our generation? Like, I already almost definitely can't be with someone for that long because I'll just I hear you. die. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Well, that's you. not true. Like, if, 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 if I met someone, like, today, right, mm. and then mm. 25, and then, like, I die at 95, we're together for yes. 70 years, that's grand, and we could have nine kids, no problem. Like, mm. whatever. But, like, I just wonder, is that, like, a thing now that, you know, talking about differences, yeah. like, maybe maybe we don't have that anymore, and, like, how, like, you know, prominent uh, and prevalent in society, like, things like, you know, divorce and separation are, yeah. and, like, how... As that, an option yeah. for people. And yeah. I say option with a careful... You know, there's a careful essence in the word option for divorce because I don't think any family ever go well there's the option of divorce if it all goes wrong and it's like no it doesn't work that way Man, <laughs> you I, know? I had a dream like two nights ago I've, uh-huh. been, having te- I've been having like nightmares this week really for, for I had the most brutal ever. nightmare last night really yeah for the first time like as an adult oh, ever oh god yeah what miserable well or? like I just I had a I had a, uh, a <laughs> I had a dream that my um I don't like saying nightmare. It, sound, it sounds too full on. Like, it's like it was a, a night terror. A night terror. Aye. Okay. We would say night terror. Did you have jam before you went I'd, to bed? I'd say a bad Did dream. You have cheese I haven't had you jam bed? since two thousand and four. <laughs> since the day your granddad you died. Have <laughs> <laughs> the day the jam stopped. Um, but uh, yeah, and it was that my mom was telling me that. Uh, her and my dad were were getting uh, were separating or getting a divorce or whatever. I can't remember the phrasing of it. And um, that like you know they were oh, both seeing realize. other people. Wow. And it like this is a dream. Oh, it's a dream. Yes, yeah, sorry. Okay. This, no, this this wasn't this this Ooh. this isn't my mum and dad are together. Together. Down, yeah. Down. Yeah. They're okay. doing grand as far as I know. Sucking diesel. <laughs> Sucking more than diesel. Oh no, Tom. Come on. No, they're my parents. <laughs> I can joke you about can their say genitalia. What you like. <laughs> Kind of. I should. You had a dream. You had uh, a nightmare, uh, <laughs> and they were getting separated. 
and yeah. they were seeing other people yeah and like I was just amazed at how badly I took it like oh, I thought like you know now as an adult like being 25 I'd be like yeah. yeah well like I just want you guys to be like happy and you know yeah we're, yeah, we're yeah but you fucking fell family. apart oh like in the dream yeah I, I, like I, I just like my breath went oh. <laughs> like a little baby I, I am a little baby sometimes oh, you know and yeah I was just like but I, I couldn't get back to sleep for a while I was like oh god yeah I was having terrible I then had a dream that I was um I was like hosting a, a stand up show and uh on stage and a fight broke out and like I got in the, like in the middle of it and just you know there were punches being thrown and then someone died in the fight someone got like knocked out um, I, I, yeah I had other ones but anyway yeah what, do you remember what your bad dream was? yeah I because people I, um, say like there's nothing worse than when someone tells you their dream there's nothing better really? when someone tells I you their bad great. dream I think it's great I think it's great tell me about all your dreams unless they're yeah. really like involve, like involving me in a graphic way okay. then I'm like yeah keep that to yourself yeah 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 Mm-hmm. Um, my dream last night and I think it was because I was watching um, that uh, Whack and Phoenix film You Were Never Really Here oh Jesus yeah and I watched it before I went to bed and I shouldn't have yeah. because it's obviously very very violent and normally violent films don't affect me but I maybe whatever shape my subconscious was in last mm-hmm. night going to bed I basically shot a few people in my dream and I shot I had to shoot my dad and I had to shoot somebody else of huge significance in my life uh, but I, I, there's no face on it or something. I think it was just the idea of the person. And I, yeah, I was in bits. I was fucking destroyed when I woke up. I was like, oh my God, this is awful. And I shot my, I like, I put the pillow down and I shot them. And it would just went into kind of their clavicle bone here. But it didn't, the bullet didn't go all the way through, but it was under the skin. So somehow it had penetrated the skin, but didn't actually put a hole in the skin. And I could see the bullet, but I couldn't get it out. I was just very bizarre Whoa. very very fucking bizarre do you google your dreams I do I'm a big dream fanatic yeah. of what's going on in there now and I take it all with a big pinch of salt because like I think sometimes you can definitely pinpoint patterns in your day where you went ah you know that happened because I saw that and right. it's, it's nothing to do with what the fucking dream dictionary is saying sure sure you know? sure do you, do you, did you have any insights into what like because that's really specific I and th- like I've been having a lot of shooting dreams recently really and I, I what don't, do they mean I, I think for me it's something to do with um, feeling like I'm destroying things in my own life or something or mm. has something to do with um, my own like there's a lot of shooting faces and either shooting myself in the face or shooting other people in the face and right. I think it has something to do with just uh, definitely something to do with the self and the sense of the psyche and the sense of your own self image of yourself that kind of a thing and um it's either a rebirth or, or it's a destruction or it's a mixture of both an amalgamation of both I'm not entirely sure but they're not fun. <laughs> That's so interesting. Yeah. Right, let's give one more spin. Do. Okay. So fun, we could do it all day. Here we go. Num- Please be a number that I have. We're 54. I know. I know. I have a 51, I don't have a 54. Mm. Lay it on me. Number 54. If you were to have a child, would you bring them up with religion? Absolutely not. Okay. No. That okay. Let me. That was a very definite answer. Yeah, go and for it. And if I know myself at all, I will have changed it in about five minutes. <laughs> Excellent. Um, I think the notion of them being able to choose at some point I would like to raise a child with that I think uh, I wouldn't bring them to church mm-hmm. I don't believe that I, I, I'd, have, I'd have obviously you have to have the discussion with your partner and that's and presuming all of that is had and you both agree on the same page of mm-hmm. how you want to raise your kids um, I don't know if I would want to have them christened I don't know if I would want to have them communed but I think having them raised with the system of the Catholic Church over their head or even just like Presbyterian or Protestant or whatever, I don't think I would want that for my child. But I would want them to have the choice. 
you know and I think I would want an integration in their education of these are all of the religions of the world and this is Islam and mm. this is Buddhism and this is Christianity and I'd want them to be raised with a knowledge of that even if at 12 they go mom I actually fancy going to a mosque can I go and can I see what that's like and can I and obviously I don't know what the stipulations are in some in in some of the more um eastern religions of like you can't just enter into that religion you have to either your family has to or but I, but I don't know what those things are but you discover those things and you'd learn those things if that was necessary mm-hmm. but I would I don't think I would want to be like okay so you're under my roof you're under a catholic yeah. that's how I was raised to a degree right and I rebelled vehemently against it what did that look like um, I think because I was the third child, they realised they had no control over me. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, after my, you shot like, that in the face. after I shot the priest in the face, and, <laughs> and I just I claimed it was a dream. Yeah. Forgive me, Father. I didn't go I've been in jail since I was twelve. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I was raised that way, and I think I had a very. I've been very, very headstrong all my life, especially with my parents, and to a degree. As I've gotten older, I've learned how to go, no, actually, they're right. And when, when mm. your parents say we only have your best interests in mind, of course they do. Mm-hmm. But as it, uh, in your own subjective moment, you're like, no, you don't. You don't know anything about anything. Yeah. Um, and it's important as you get older, I think, to go, actually, no, you, I, I do see your perspective. And I do know why you're doing that or why you do, why right. you do that for me. Um, what do you think it's like being your parent? Being my parent, yeah, mine specifically, yeah, hell on earth, really. <laughs> no, um, I don't know. I've asked my parents this a few times. I was doing a show called Me Sarah there a couple of years ago, mm. and it was I was playing a sixteen-year-old girl from County Mayo, and it's it's based off Playboy, the Western World, yeah. the, car- the character of Sarah. I saw one too. I actually you see, did, see, did you I've seen like, Sarah t- all of your plays. I really have. You're a big fan. Uh, well, like yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> I don't know. I've seen a lot of yours. That's good. Yeah, and I'm coming to see the belly button. Yeah, girl. The belly button girl, yeah. The belly button girl. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, it's good fun. I can't wait. Um, but yeah, I was doing me Sarah and I had to ask my parents, I was like, what was I like at 16? What mm. was I like at 17? And they were like, you were really lovely. You were wonderful. You were very, I studied really hard in school. I mm. was very, very driven. I wanted to get moving and get into college and study theatre and stuff. And I, I knew what I wanted for my life. Mm. Now I'm 23 and I'm like, I don't fucking don't know what I'm doing. I, so I kind of admire my 16 year old self for being so driven and being so... Right. Kind of, I know where I'm going because looking back, I'm like, listen, lad, it only gets worse. I promise. <laughs> so, um, I think, I think my parents had a nice time with me. I mm. think from time to time, I could give them hell, uh, especially on things like that. And mm. I, I'm definitely a person you want to be cautious of at a dinner table, um, in my household uh, during Easter or Christmas because I definitely just I walk us all into the the, the political conversations and go alright lads what are uh, we having today come yeah, on let's yeah. talk about abortion let's yeah. talk about this that and, that. Yeah. and I have no problem going there and absolutely trashing anybody who's you know not yeah. not of my opinion definitely uh, not I think there has to be a 50-50 split of you believe that and that's fine as long as you're not forcing it down my throat and I am in no place to ever force my opinion down anyone else's Right. but you cannot tell me how to live my life as long as I'm not hurting anybody sure, sure. you cannot and I won't let anybody do that yeah that's good that's a good way to be. Well, is it? I shoot people in the face. So. Well, th- that's not ideal. I, yeah, like, yeah, it's, you know, I'm not a good person to have at a dinner table because I also stab people in the <laughs> chest. Yeah, you'll find a bullet in your clavicle. So <laughs> bullet in your clavicle, careful. knife in your chest. Yeah. Judy Crosby, you are the best. Oh, very good. Thanks so much for doing this. Thank you very much for having me. Um, so at the end, someone's like, talk about like stuff that's coming up. I know um, you're just busy. You do a lot of things. Just talk about you and the things so we all um, get a because I, I feel like it's, this is such a nice chat because I feel like I know 
you better. So yeah, let us know. Yeah, this was a delightful chat. What a lovely I, chat. I, you've definitely inspired a sense of wanting to start a podcast with people. Really? So just purely for like a, maybe like a, a cold thing. Not like a competition podcast. Like, don't do no, it. No, 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 not like it. So I'm going to start a podcast yeah, yeah, next yeah. week. No, please. No. I, I, um, I think podcasts I think, are fun. I think they are. They're yeah. wonderful. I think if you have two people on it talking to a group of people, I think you can get a lovely conversation going. And you're such a wonderful person to do this kind of thing because you just keep the effervescence on it going and you inspire that sense of openness. Uh, very oh. quickly and no it is it's That's true nice. and it's wonderful thank you um you've made i was a podcast virgin so you've um, yeah there you whoa go. you big yeah. frigid <laughs> you big frigid, big loud frigid. um <laughs> what was i gonna say um i i'm doing uh i don't know if it's actually open to the public right. I, um it's in some place um here this is great this is, this is really good promoing um but i'm doing an initiative with fighting words and fighting words are this amazing group in Dublin who um, kind of inspire and educate and train well not really train but they just allow uh, groups of teenagers to come in and write their own stuff right. and they're based off in Northside somewhere and they have this wonderful group of people who are like just come in write these plays so myself Jedda Debris directed it and it's uh, and it's starring Clodagh Mooney Duggan with myself and it's just this kind of eight minute scene slash play and it's about these two young women who are kind of having a conversation about their sexuality um, not in so many words but in many many words <laughs> and uh, it's just a lovely little scene and it's been put on in a place that I don't know the name of right now gorgeous and I don't know if it's open to the public but it's it's worth mentioning because Fighting Words is such a fantastic initiative and Amazing. it's like these these kids are coming in from the ages of 11 right up and they're writing things and their writing is developing and changing and moving and it's just absolutely sublime to watch it because you go fucking hell like Great. they're 18 and they're writing a play and yeah. you're going I don't know what I like in the world and what a team <laughs> like of you Jeds and Claudia. such a wonderful team. lovely lovely yeah, ladies team. amazing yeah, yeah. Um, thanks so much for doing this thank you very much for having me Julia Crosby thanks for playing personality bingo thanks for playing it with me whoa whoa So, guys, that was the phenomenal Juliet Crosby playing personality bingo. Juliet, if you are listening, a massive thank you to you for taking the time to do it. It's always so lovely when we get to sit down and talk, and what a nice way to put it on record that we are actually friends. Um, Juliet uh, is a real special uh, actor, singer, musician, person, so um, any projects that you're doing, I implore you to get her involved, because she will make them significantly better. Guys, come see the Belly Button Girl at the new theatre we opened this week. What the beep? Uh, May 14th to 18th, that is Tuesday to Saturday, uh, there's 7.30 shows. We've also got a matinee on the Saturday at 1pm, and I would love to see you there. Uh, we're real proud of this show. i just love to share it with you. That's the reason that we made it um, and I think you'd really get something from it if you like this podcast at all at all uh, tickets are selling really fast and I do mean that especially for uh, our Tuesday almost gone their special 12 euro price so that's probably why uh, our opening night is almost gone and then for the rest of the week they're really starting to move uh, and this is uh, I'm recording this a week out so I uh, really implore you to book them in advance uh, of course chance on the door if you are so inclined as so much of our generation is myself included but um, I'd hate to see anyone who wants to see it uh, go disappointed so just book it online it's super simple it's the new theatre.com 
www.ghostbusters.com they will look after you can also get them on phone or email they're very lovely people and we would all love to have you in guys go check out our patreon it's patreon.com forward slash personality bingo like i always say it's a model based off soundness which is really what blind boy always says but he's right and that's what i'm gonna say it too um if you're sound and you like this podcast uh, be sound and chuck us a couple of euro uh, if you're not in a position to do that i totally understand maybe what you would be in a position to do is to share it on some of your social media whether that's just a little tweet a little screenshot and put it on your instagram story anything like that guys it makes a huge difference and to the people who do that regularly or just the odd time i really really appreciate it genuinely it's so lovely and i think you're gonna go to heaven um other than that go check out copperface jacks the musical at the olympia theater i'm gonna be rocking straight back into that um after uh, yeah after a little break and going vietnam for a month is that an exclusive reveal on the podcast and um, for a bit of traveling and also touring the uk with bingo loco um kind of working as a hosty comedian person bingo caller person but my god i love that job it is so fun the shows are amazing and if you haven't seen one go and see it i guarantee you you'll have a good night if you like shit music like me and f club seven and fucking like i don't know i can't think of any other bands that are in s club seven that says a lot about me i only remember when they play like the killers and high school musical and s club seven and westlife which is a lot of what the night is it's a lot of fun it's very cheesy you can win dildos and trips to vegas and daniel o'donnell calendars and if you don't like that i probably don't like you um <laughs> guys that's not true i'm sure i like you if you like this podcast because uh my reward system in my brain is is kind of needy and if you like my product i'm gonna um mistake that as liking me and um it's a real issue in my life and this intro has become um frankly ridiculous please tune in next week for another episode of personality bingo with tom morin